I've entitled my message this morning, Staring into Heaven, as you probably read in the... In the, in the New Testament clearly teaches us that the people who uh -oh. are most open to the gospel are people who are most aware of their own brokenness. I'll wait. The reality is, Oklahoma is a lost state. Right here in our own backyard, there are a lot of people. There we go. Okay. I didn't know if I was out of sync or whether something else was going on, but Acts chapter, Acts chapter 1, staring into heaven, I want to read verses 9 through 11. I know we're all familiar with it because all of us have studied it. It's, uh, it's where Luke picks up after the Great Commission and uh, Jesus ascends up into heaven and all the disciples are standing there looking. And in, in chapter 1, verse 9 says, After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing and staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. I remember back in junior high when we had a, I guess it was a lunar eclipse. I never can keep those two separated between a lunar eclipse and a solar eclipse. But I remember in junior high it was going to be a big deal and it was during the middle of the day and, and uh, the moon was, I guess it's a lunar eclipse since the moon was going to go in front of the sun. But you weren't supposed to stare at it, but everybody kind of did anyway. But we came up, the, the, somebody came up with a method that if you take a piece of cardboard or a piece of paper and you punch a hole in it and you get another piece of cardboard or a piece of paper and you punch and you, you put it underneath that, that as the shadow in there, you could see the moon as it moved, the shadow as it moved. I thought it was the neatest thing, by the way when I was that age, but the, you could see the shadow as it moved across your little circle thing. You know what I'm talking about, or am I just, no, okay, thank you, somebody knows. But I thought it was the neatest thing, but I, I was looking at that, and, 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 and me and a friend of mine were standing looking at it, and while he was looking at it, I looked around, and everybody was doing the same thing. They were kind of looking at the, this eclipse, you know, and, and it, was, it, was, it was neat. But it kind of reminded me of this passage of scripture because they were they were looking up into heaven, and it, you just kind of get this picture in your mind that they were just standing there, like Mike said, they were just standing there looking as Jesus disappeared. They were straining to see him go, uh, and 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 that that reminded me of that eclipse as we all stood around looking up into heaven to see this eclipse just like these men stood around looking up into heaven to see Jesus as he ascended up there this passage of scripture uh, gives me that visual image and 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 it brings to mind when the when the angel said to them why do you stand here staring up into heaven don't you know you need to be about your father's business? Now, they didn't say that. It wasn't quoted in there, but I kind of added that uh, for emphasis here to, to help us today. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to bring out about this passage of Scripture as these disciples stood there and stared up into heaven as Jesus ascended and went to be with the Father. One is, obviously, he went into heaven. And he left, in other words, uh, Jesus prepared his disciples for when he would leave in that he promised them the comforter that would come. And he did indeed come shortly after this in chapter 2 of Acts. We have the story of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit descended upon the church and the church was born. 
But here we see that the work that Christ came to do was finished. The Greek word tetelestai, I think is what Brother Keith said last week. Tetelestai, it is finished as he hung on the cross is, is what he said. But here the idea is he did all the work that God had called him or asked him or sent him to do. And now it was time for him to leave. Now it was time for him to give this mission to us, the church. The mission to go out and do what we need to do in order to lead others to Christ. But here the idea is not only did he leave and is gone, but he's doing something pretty amazing. The Bible tells us that he's preparing a place for us. Uh, and that, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I think about that, you know, because when he, he cre made creation, it took him seven days, and that was including one day of rest. If it's taking him all this time to prepare heaven for us, it must be a pretty spectacular place. Just to be there and see it would be probably enough to entertain us for 10,000 plus years. Just to see what he's created. Just to see what he's done as, as he's doing his work to prepare a place for us. But here the idea is he finished his work. He finished the work of salvation. He, he, he is worthy to be praised just for that. That he hung on the cross and died for us and completed his work. And now he gives us the comfort to be with us, his Holy Spirit. But I think a second thing we can see out of this passage of Scripture is he promised that he would return. He promised that he would come back. We have this hope. This hope is everything. Uh, when we think about going through the circumstances of life and how hard that they are, we recognize that no matter how hard things get, we have the hope of his return. He is coming back. And he is going to settle accounts. And, and, and I say that not as a threat, but I say that as he is going to make things right. He's going to make all the things that we've endured, all the things that we suffered, worthwhile. He promised to return, and he promised to do that. And, 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 and we have, I, I can't say it enough, we have this hope. What other faith gives hope like that? Uh, other faiths, when you talk about, when they, when they say about going to heaven, they say, well, I hope I do enough works, that the works, good works that I do outweigh the bad works that I do, so somehow God will let me into heaven and I can go and be with him. That, that, that's not the truth at all. The truth at all is he's prepared a place for us, and we have the hope of knowing that no matter what happens, he's done the work for us. We don't have to, we, we're not going to be judged in the sense of whether we're going to go into heaven or not. We're going to be judged in the sense of whether we were obedient to him so that, we can, so that he'll know what kind of rewards to give us. Now, I know that kind of conjures up all kinds of questions when you say things like that. Does that mean there's echelons or, or grades of heaven? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. But what I'm trying to say by all that is we have the hope of knowing that he's going to return. He left, and in the manner that he left, he promised to return. Not by some guru or some prophet or something along those lines he's going to split the eastern skies and come back just as he left and we'll know it's him when he comes we don't have to wonder about that person over there saying well i'm the christ and this person over here saying well i'm the christ i know we haven't had that in quite a long time but i i do remember back in the 80s and stuff where there was quite a bit of that we don't have to worry about that because we know he's gonna he's gonna come back as he lived but the, the, the third point that I want to bring out and, and really what I wanted to talk about is the idea of these disciples and the time. 
Here, here the thing is he wants us to be ready for his return. Uh, here the idea is, is he doesn't want us to waste our time by being entangled in the things of the world. Uh, now, I'm not saying that our circumstances aren't important. I'm not saying that the things that we do in order to survive aren't important. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just talking about our focus. Too many times we're focused on his return, which isn't bad, but we, we do it to the detriment of what he wants us to do and accomplish before he returns. Now, that's not to say that God can and won't come back at any moment. I, I believe that he will. His return is imminent. Uh, it could be at any moment now. But I think here, it, it's the idea of focus. Lord, do you want, what do you want us to focus on? Do, do, we, do we focus on the heavens and wait for your return? Or, or, or do we focus on the mission and the, the, the calling that you've given us in our life? And that, that's really the crux of what I'm trying to say today is, are we focused on our Father's business? Do we, do we hold up his business as being more important than mine? I'm reminded of it, uh, of it every day, especially when I have things to do and, and, and I need to turn to the Lord in prayer. I, actually, I got one more thing to do and then I'll get back, I'll get to you, Lord, in my prayer. I got, I got one more. And then, and then I do that and I get that out of the way and I go, well, maybe, Lord, just one more thing. And, and before you know it, if, if, I do, if I let myself get away with that, I've gone the whole day without prayer. And I know you've done that too. It's real easy to do. You know, you've, you've got the, all these things that are pressing down on you that you need to get done. And, and you think, well, I, I really can't relax and, and give you my full attention, Lord. I've got all these things pressing down on me. So give me, I, I'll just, give me a few minutes and I'll, I'll go get those done and I'll be back. And the thing is, you usually don't ever come back until the next day, and then you're in the same predicament. But you, you know what I mean. We, we can't do that. We need to focus on what is our Father's business for us to do today. And then we do that. And then we let all the, everything else uh, uh, settle itself. Let the Lord take care of everything. It's kind of like, and, and I, I think I've used this illustration before, but it's kind of like that when you get the jar and you put the rice and the pecans in it. Anybody ever seen that? It's a really great illustration because if you put the rice in it first, it doesn't work. But if you put the pecans in it and then you pour the rice over the pecans, it works. They all fit in the jar. And sometimes it, 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 it's like that with our lives. What, what is my priority for this year? What is my priority for this day, much less this year? Hopefully it's to be about our Father's business. Now, I, it wasn't, the last time I think it was Sunday morning I preached, I kind of challenged you guys in the coming year to, to maybe make a commitment, not a resolution, but a commitment, <laughs> a commitment to pray at least one to two hours a week. I hope, I, I hope that you're going to try to do that. I'm going to try to do it. And I say try because I'm like, like I just said, I go, Lord, just give me a couple minutes and I'll be right with you. Uh, and, and you never get to him that day. But, but I, I re-challenge you to, to think about doing that today, but also to look at what, what am I going to do uh, for the Lord this year? What am I going to, how am I going to bring glory and honor to his name? What business is it that he has for me to do? And, and don't, don't, don't say, well, you know, I, I'm, not really, I'm not really prepared, or I'm not really trained, or I'm not really this or that and say, well, the Lord can't really use me because I've got this handicap or I've got that handicap. 
uh, I, I really need I really need this or that in order to be obedient to God in that area, and so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna let somebody else take care of it. Don't do that. Uh, I, I remember a story in the Bible where Jesus fed the five thousand, and he did it with a little boy's lunch. And I, I, I can't imagine that boy saying in the morning, saying to himself, well, I need my lunch so the Lord can feed all those people that are going to be out there today. He didn't say that. He just offered up what he had and God multiplied it by, by thousands. And I think the Lord can do the same in our lives. If we just take the lunch that we have, the little meal that we have, or whatever it is, the little talent that we have, or the little gift that we have, and give it to the Lord. He can accomplish great things if we just but let him. What does the Lord want you to do this year? Don't let yourself get entangled in the things of the world. In Hebrews, I think it's the 12th chapter, it talks about running the race, and it says don't allow yourself to be entangled by the things of the world so that they impede your progress. And it's really easy to do. I think there was another story where Jesus talked about the sower and the seed and how that the weeds and the thistle came up and choked out the Word of God. And I think sometimes we let that happen. Not, we don't do it consciously, but we just over time, we, we just kind of relax ourselves and, 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 and we just let it go like that. We just leave it like that. I, I was listening to... Uh, a message on the, on the radio this past week, and he was talking about the story of the prodigal son and how, you know, the son uh, asked uh, the father to give him his inheritance, and he took his inheritance and, and went off to a foreign country or, or a far-off place and spent all the money and wasted it away and, and, and didn't have any money, and then the Lord sent a drought, uh, a famine in the land, and, and he got a job slopping pigs, and he was so hungry that, that even the, the pig slop looked good. Now, the Bible doesn't say whether he ate any of it or not, so I, I don't know. I'm not going to say whether he did or not, because it, it doesn't say, but, but I imagine he was hungry enough that he at least thought about eating the pig slop. Anybody ever seen pig slop? Somebody? Then you, you kind of have an idea what I'm talking about. Uh, it, it, it's... It's like you put all this food in one bucket and, and you pour it anyway. Uh, it, it's not very appetizing at all. Uh, and, and he was so hungry that he thought that looked appetizing. And, and the, point of his, the point of his message was how do we renew our relationship with God? How does the son renew his relationship with God? And I'm just going to give you the first point. The first point is get fed up. Get fed up. And that, that's really what we need to do today is, is our relationship with the Lord what it needs to be? We need to get fed up that it's not. We need to get fed up that we get entangled in the things and the cares of the world so much so that it keeps us distracted from the focus that God really wants us to have. We spend so much time looking up into heaven for his return, and there's nothing wrong with looking up into heaven for his return, but we waste our time because we become entangled in the cares and the things around us. And, and we need to be fed up with the, the things of the world that keep us from having a deeper relationship with God. I know all of us could use a deeper relationship with God. Not one of us, I think, can say, well, I'm exactly where I want to be with the Lord. I, I really don't need any of what you're talking about. I, I would be surprised if somebody said that. Maybe there are somebody here, that, someone here that, that do, but, but for me, I need more. 
And, and I, I, need, I need to get fed up with myself, mostly. I need to get fed up with me because I allow myself to be entangled with the things of the world. I allow myself to look up into the heavens and wait for Christ's return, thinking, well, there's no sense in doing that because the Lord's going to return at any moment. There's no sense in witnessing to that person because the, the Lord's coming back anyway. And, 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 I, and I, just, I, I just got too many things to, to be about, and, and I don't need to, to really, I don't really have time, Lord. I just don't have time. Uh, we, we, we've got to refocus. Uh, we've, instead of looking up into heaven and thinking about what could be or what needs to happen, maybe we should focus on our circumstances to the point of, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do this year? How can I deepen my relationship with you? That's really what I'm trying to say today. Ask yourself, how can I deepen my relationship with God this year? And then try to then, then work at doing that. We can't do it under our own power. None of us can. We, we all need him to witness and to pray and, and, and to give us the, the will to do the things we need to do. We all need that. But Lord, I, I, first thing I need to do is, is, is find out, or I guess the first thing I need to do is, like I said, get fed up with myself and then find out what it is God wants me to do and then follow through with, to the best of my ability, knowing that he's going to help me do that. Uh, with his power and, 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 and the things that belong to him. What is it God wants you to do this year? Oh, thank you.